Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. All right, Monica, it's stay at home March. <laughs> I don't know how to, what else do we say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what name to give it. Stay at home ellipse, stay at home apocalypse. I don't know. Whatever. I wanted to start off by asking you this question. What is your and your family's favorite takeout spot or spot? Yeah, we have a couple, but I think um, I think I've already talked about one, so I'll put out another one that's in my neighborhood. It's uh, it's teriyaki time, and it's a family owned business. And this is a business that goes way back with me. When my son was a baby, I remember sitting in there as a new mom eating lunch by myself, and the owner's wife, different owner at the time, but the owner's wife came out and she actually held him so that I could eat my lunch in peace, which was something that was very welcome at the time. So a lot of memories there, and. We we love getting takeout there. So my go-to is uh, chicken katsu. My son gets teriyaki chicken and my husband gets uh, usually Mongolian beef. And uh, we just ate there a couple nights ago. As a matter of fact, grabbed some takeout, came home, watched some TV, and it was perfect. What about you? Damn you, Monica. You know, guys, normally a lot of our stuff is not scripted because my favorite is teriyaki house. <laughs> it's also teriyaki. <laughs> <laughs> I did not had I known I would have came up with a different alternative but yeah that's always my go-to because teriyaki is so underrated I mean I remember reading an article about how it's dying in Seattle I don't know sometimes I just have a craving for teriyaki and I always get the chicken teriyaki with the added fried rice so I'll always pay the extra dollar for the fried rice mm -hmm. so Nelson have you, have you been to Hawaii I have been to Hawaii, yes. Have you tried teriyaki in Hawaii? I have not tried teriyaki in Hawaii. Okay. No, I have not. Because like you're saying that teriyaki is underrated. I actually think it's pretty overrated here in Seattle. And I know Seattle has a lot of teriyaki places and they've been dwindling over the years. But in Hawaii, our teriyaki is always marinated. So it's not like cooked chicken and you just pour sauce on top or it's sauce on the side. We actually marinate it for at least 24 hours to infuse flavor into it. So anyway, next time you're in Hawaii, you know, it's going to be a minute because you're confined to your house right now. Uh, but next time you're in Hawaii, give teriyaki a try. We really like it there. Oh, I will. But I'm referring to when I was a kid and my parents and my dad would always get maybe teriyaki maybe once or once every two weeks or once a week. And we'd always order our mm. local teriyaki takeout spot. That's yeah. how I remember it. Good stuff. All right, Monica, one of the disadvantages <laughs> of living on the East side, I cannot get takeout at any of my favorite Seattle spots because <laughs> number one, I got to drive all the way out to the bridge, cross I-90, or I can't even have it delivered. Like if I want A plus Hong Kong kitchen, or if I want Mike's noodle house, or let's say, <laughs> We can order from Adana or something like that. I see all these Adana specials and like, oh my God, this looks so good. This looks so good. Grubhub will not come all the way out to Issaquah. No, they won't. No. But you know, if you paid me enough, I might. <laughs> <laughs> but the price has to be right. <laughs> yeah. I might have to ask you to come on over here. Care package. Yeah. Care package. <laughs> well, I would ask you to do me a mini takeout Edmunds food crawl. Oh, I, yeah. So I, I'd have to stock up. So I'd have to like go to six places and then come to your place with the delivery. Well, I would, of course, Venmo you. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
that might have to wait. I would ask you to go to Market Fishmonger to get mm-hmm. me some things, probably mm-hmm. like a crab roll or, and then maybe some fish and chips, mm-hmm. some fish tacos, and then mm-hmm. I obviously would need you to go to Onopoke. Obviously, to pick me some okole, some crab mm-hmm. okole, some crab mm-hmm. butt, crab butt, <laughs> some, as well as some other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else on the way? Oh, uh, if you can drive fast enough, get me some milky milky. I, oh, I need some go. advice yeah. to go. I got to get that yeah. to you quick. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's that's totally doable. I mean, it's just ice and it's cold out, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then well, uh, there's also a, there's also a chin noodles yeah. near, near where you are. So, yeah. That's so true. pick me up some nudes as well. Mm-hmm. That'll probably hold me dumplings? for the first You're forgetting lunch. dumplings. You're forgetting dumplings. Oh, dumplings. We yeah. need dumplings for fourzies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. See what I mean? I mean, I can't even, I can't even get anything from Issaquah to bring to you. That's the, this is the drawback here. But wait, every time I tease you, you say that there's delivery in Issaquah, the pizza place. Right. But I can't get Onopoke or Market Fishmonger or Chin Noodles or Milky Milky or Stars in the Sky or anything like that. I can't get anything like that. I know. Your, your mortgage is cheaper than Seattle, though. <laughs> is the cost cheaper than seattle so there's, there's no that way. you're still winning the game nelson well the feds did re- lower the interest rate to zero time to buy a house monica mm-hmm. let's go house hunting it's the perfect time right no i'm on no. it i'm on it <laughs> yep on it no, no? okay too yeah. soon okay all right <laughs> well uh welcome to the show everyone it's uh episode 79 of the seattle foodie podcast <laughs> We've been riffing for about six minutes. I think we've killed enough time. Hey, Monica, <laughs> you know, this show, I was thinking, is coronavirus resistant free because we've already been recording in our homes. So <laughs> I know nothing has changed. I know we, yeah. we've been distanced. We've been distanced. We're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, we are practicing social di- social distancing. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think one time. Over the last few months, we didn't see each other for 13 days. And it's not because we were on trips. We were in town. We just didn't see each other. Right. So since 2018, little did we know we've been preparing for this for two years. Yeah, Yeah, we're ready. (laughs) The show's going to go on, you guys. Don't worry. Well, I tell you what. We don't have any events, of course, because everything's been canceled, which is rightfully so, as I mentioned. We did do some things, not too many things last week. We went to a couple things that we'll talk about and recap. And then we have a fun segment. And of course, we do have some backlog of interviews and we're going to get to that too as well. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Nelson, what special delivery did we get? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like we robbed a Fran's bakery. I am not (laughs) kidding you. Between the both of us, I think we got all of the breads, pastries, burger and hot dog buns, and everything else they have, have to offer. Monica and I each got a giant box sent to us, you guys. It's full of Fran's bakery beds. I'll admit, at first, I was a bit jealous of your box because you got Hawaiian bread burger buns, donuts, animal cookies. I mean, you got all the cool things, Monica. <laughs> however, however, my box was has breads I normally eat on a daily basis, like the organic Willamette Valley great seed bread, gluten-free seven-grain bread, and the keto white bread. I've actually bought the keto white bread at Costco, Monica, before they mm. sent it to us. Mm-hmm. After getting a little bit jealous, I did feel a little bit better because I don't have to buy bread for essentially the next two months. I know. I didn't know there was going to be such a run on bread either, but um, 
My goodness. Um, in addition, like, I feel like you already told everybody what was in my box. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, and, you know, Nelson, I, I'm just I'm pretty sure when people pack these boxes for us, it's random, like one to one ratios, like one for Nelson, one for Monica, one for Nelson, one for Monica. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I got in addition to what you already told everybody, I got the Naked Classic White. Uh, I got some organic vegan 24 Seattle sourdough, which is huge hit in my house, everything bagels, uh, raisin cinnamon, English muffins and stadium rolls. So a lot of things and really, really delicious. But I, I still feel like it was it was pretty equivalent to what you got, Nelson. No, I, I, it definitely was. It was it was equivalent. What are you going to make with all that? <laughs> oh, One giant I, big giant sandwich. Is that is, I mean, just <laughs> with all the bread or what are you what are you looking for? Right. So my son really loves bread. So he's already eaten almost an entire roll just out of the bag. So he'll come out of his room for a break and eat like two or three slices. So he's almost through an entire uh, loaf already. And then we've been making sandwiches for a couple of days. So grilled cheese practicing up for, you know, for just, you know, just cooking at home, just making sure our, our cooking game is on point. Um, and then I, I am going to make some some hamburgers and, and hot dogs in the stadium buns this week. So pretty excited to try it all out. Yeah, I'm thinking avocado toast with my seven grain breads. Bought a bunch of deli meats when I went grocery shopping. Some mm -hmm. roast beef, turkey, some corned beef. Bought some cheeses. So I'm going to make an epic sandwich, maybe mm -hmm. an epic club sandwich. And oh, wow. yeah. It's I can't believe that giant box with all of our all those breads. It was crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Fran's Bakery, for the generous boxes. Make sure you grab some Fran's at your local grocery stores or local grocer. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. I, Monica, obviously, you used to live in Portland. There was probably Fran's everywhere in Portland. Oh, yeah. I lived right near um, the, the Friends Bakery on 12th Avenue in Southeast Portland because I lived in the Hawthorne District. And so every day I would ride the bus to work uh, when I worked at the arena and you could smell that bread baking fresh. And so it's still like a really nostalgic memory for me. And then, Monica, another recap. Tell us about this one. We did go out and support some small businesses. Tell us about this restaurant we went to. Yeah. So before we get started, I want to mention uh, we're going to talk about Lionhead. So Lionhead has temporarily closed. So that's the latest news as have many restaurants in Seattle and so while Nelson and I are going to recap our visit it's important that as a food community we begin to think about how we support our brothers and sisters during this time and after it's over it's going to be a really long hard road back for many people that we love and cherish and so I'm just putting this out there so you can keep this in the back of your minds as we continue the show um, so again um, no, line had is temporarily closed but Nelson and I went there uh, before they did Nelson yeah, I guess we could call that a feast, right? It was kind, kind of a lot of food. Uh, starting with the beverages. Lionhead has non-spirited creations and really great cocktails. So I had the lychee lime, and that's non-alcoholic. And then uh, Chef Garrett sent out the ABC, which has alcohol in it. And both were really good and very high quality. And for the dishes, it's really hard to pick a favorite, but I think that the rockfish really stole the show for me. The fish was tender and juicy and just texturally perfect. And it was Larry with spice and savory goodness. And Nelson, I know you too, but like I'm a sucker for those Dandan Dan noodles. And we ordered a small because we're trying to pace ourselves, but I don't think it worked. Um, but what were some of your favorites, Nelson? I think the mapa tofu was probably mm. my favorite. I don't rarely order mapa tofu when it was on the menu. I know Lionhead does a great job with it because I've had it before many years ago. Glad we ordered that as well as the duck, the boneless duck that was just covered, 
covered with all the peppers <laughs> on top of it. But once you spread all the peppers underneath that duck, that boneless duck is so good. Mm-hmm. Agree. Uh, those were also two standout dishes. And it's so hard to, to choose, but so good and so much food. So Chef Garrett, Chef Gerald, and the rest of the Lionhead family, our thoughts are with you. And we cannot wait to welcome you back to service. Remember, just a note, temporarily closed because Mm -hmm. they'll be back. Just like any other restaurants, if you guys can do it, go online and purchase gift cards for them. Because like I mentioned, these restaurants will be back. And then when they come back, you have all these gift cards stockpiled and you can go out and start eating again. Absolutely. Uh, That's a really good tip, Nelson. Thanks so much. Uh, What else did we do? Well, we did go out one more time. And the reason is, Monica, we can never say no to chicken wings. I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) You and I this week, we got to do that and eat some wings, play a little Papa shot. Well, I did. You spectated, but you did get quite a show because (laughs) all of us were just absolutely terrible. Just horrendous. (laughs) But just like all restaurants that are open... Wing Dome is taking all safety and precautionary measures to keep your dining experience safe and clean. That being said, you can still order wings, boneless wings, cheese bread sandwiches, and everything else online at wingdome.com and other third-party delivery partners. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And then Monica, that's pretty much it for our recaps. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty quick. <laughs> Like I mentioned, we don't have any events. A lot of things have been canceled. The government, as well as everyone at CDC, is always all recommending no large gatherings. And then now they recommended that the CDC recommended that there should not be any gathering over 50 people as a recommendation, Mm -hmm. which means that a lot of people are going to be at home, which is going to be the norm for the next couple of weeks. Monica, you have a child that's going to be at home with you as well. Mm And I thought we would come up with some kitchen ideas Mm -hmm. because we're going to be doing a lot of home cooking probably as well as a lot of takeout and delivery. I thought, you know what? Why don't we tell our listeners what are some things that we cannot live without in the kitchen? I think that's a great idea, Nelson. Now, Monica, it's no secret. You are the advanced cook between the two of us. Okay. I'm not going to compete with you. I'm not going (laughs) to argue with you. You are probably the way better chef amongst Aww. us. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say, Nelson. So I kind of broke it down into a beginner level and then an advanced intermediate level, which is what Monica is going to be doing. Mm-hmm. For you beginner cooks, you can listen to my list. And then Monica has a little bit more advanced stuff that you can go to and grab. Uh, <laughs> I'll start it off, Monica. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I cannot live without that I've had for years, years, even before this whole foodie thing is a food scale. Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs one, especially when you're baking. Baking is so much more of a science than cooking because (laughs) if you are off by certain gram or off by certain ingredient, it could be totally different in, in terms of the recipe. Since we'll be a little indoors and inactive, It's also great to measure out food portions as well Mm -hmm. for propping servant sizes. Monica, obviously, I used to work in a gym environment with dietitians, and I had no idea what the importance of having a food scale was until I started working there. I had no idea. I was like, oh, that's a portion size? That's Mm -hmm. how much meat I should be having because I'm having triple the size of that. So anytime you're meal prepping or you are watching what you're eating because right now when we're going to be stuck at home, we're not going to be able to do 
as much activity as we normally are being able to walk and go to work and do all that. So it might be good to portion out different meals and portion out your different ingredients. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And having a good high quality scale is important. So good one, Nelson. Good one. And then what else you got, Monica? I think one of the things, and and just so you all know, like when I first uh, moved away from home when I was younger, I wasn't a really experienced cook. I had helped my mom a lot and I thought I was an experienced cook. But when it came to doing it alone, because my mom didn't work with recipes, I found out there was a lot to learn. So one of the things that I got early on was a good pair of kitchen shears. And so I'm not talking about like, you know, the kind of scissors that you use to cut paper or the kind of shears that you get with a chief knife set. I'm talking about a high quality pair of kitchen shears. Um, I use mine to cut meat. It cuts through some bones, depending on what kind of bones it is, herbs from my garden vegetables and more and guys you should never be using like your regular scissors in the house to cut anything that's food related you should just have a standalone kitchen shears for just that purpose and so there's there's million uses for it there's trimming the fat off of meat there's you know cutting things that should be cut and and so i can't recommend that more Uh, it's just it's a great tool to have in your arsenal why didn't you bring those when we were having king crab night we could have used those because Frank said he was bringing a whole bunch of scissors. So, you know. It wouldn't have been as effective as kitchen shears. Those things cut through bone. I didn't want to tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> He's my friend. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I came without any. And I was just like, see, all but right. it all worked out fine. I mean. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to be like, yeah, thanks for the scissors, Frank. But look at what I got. And like have like some chainsaw in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> It was so okay. I, <laughs> okay. Okay. I would have made noise when you brought it out, like. Rrr, 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 rrr. Yeah, just to... Okay. That's a, what's your next one? If you're like me, that loves to bake all the time. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> bake. I don't bake a lot. What are you? What's going on? But when I do, <laughs> I love using a silt pad. It's environmentally safe because you're not reusing tin foil all the time, and it turns anything into a nonstick surface. Mm-hmm. I love using it to especially roast vegetables, Monica. The mm-hmm. Silpat, it's ingenious. I think it's one of the best things to have and I use it all the time and it's it's great for roasting vegetables, I'm telling you. Before I was, you know, used to put the tin foil on there, spray the pam or the, you know, or whatever sprayless oil it is, and then my vegetables would still stick to the tin foil, but with mm-hmm. the Silpat, no problems. No problems at all. That's a really great one. And um, I have multiple silpats in my house. And and the only thing about it, guys, is if you're using a silpat and you're following a recipe with cooking times, um, you have to monitor it a little bit because it makes a difference if you're putting a silpat on like a baking sheet um, or like a huge sheet pan. And it impacts the cooking time sometimes. Also, some people use it inside glass uh, bake bakeware. So just be careful of that. But for roasting vegetables where you're just watching it all the time, it's absolutely perfect. And then Monica, what do you have? The next one I have is a microplane. And I remember, (laughs) I remember uh, when microplanes became a thing. I remember being really confused when I saw it because um, some of my family members used to be construction workers. And when I saw a microplane, I'm just like, yeah, that's like a construction tool. Like, are you sure we're supposed to use that in the kitchen? But guys, basically, it's a long skinny grater. I use mine on nutmeg. And so that nutmeg is like a really hard, like 
little nut and I use it on chocolate and ginger and hard cheeses like Asiago and Parmigiano Reggiano and uh, citrus peel and more. So in my kitchen, I love to use fresh ingredients whenever I can. And there's something just a little bit extra about grating a fresh cinnamon stick at home. I mean, it's, it's very versatile and it's extremely good to have in the kitchen just for finishing touches. And so uh, get a good one. It's not that expensive and it just does its job perfectly. I use my microplane all the time for lemon zest and orange Mm -hmm. zest. Mm -hmm. That's always the best way to do it. Always, always. Now you use it for hard cheeses because it's such Mm -hmm. a small grater. So I I rarely use it for hard cheeses, but okay, I can see that. I'll have to try next time. They have different sizes for sure in terms of uh, how how much it's grating at a time. And it depends on what I'm using the cheeses for. So obviously if I'm going to make like a mac and cheese where I need like a large bulk of cheese, I'm not going to grade that by hand, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's just finishing touches where I'm grading it on spaghetti or some other pasta, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense instead of making a whole bunch that you're going to waste. Like your $300 truffles? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I feel really attacked right now. <laughs> so thanks for that. Well, earlier in the show, you're giving me this tutorial on teriyaki. So, oh my God. I mean, yeah. I'm guessing this teriyaki in Hawaii is probably, what, $100 a plate? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just how we do. Just how we do. I mean, come on. It's like passive work for it to soak overnight. You just need to do some planning. Right. Active work. Every everybody knows you're the bougie eater of the two. Oh my god. (laughs) Very attacked. (laughs) What is happening right now, Nelson? Did you not get your nap today? No. I'm the bougie eater? Oh my god. Who wanted to go out for foie gras last week? You're the one that wanted to go to Taku. Oh, oh my god. Okay, what's your next thing, Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. For the love of God, people, you need to have a meat thermometer in your kitchen. I, I cannot stress this. You don't want a dry turkey like the one in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> or ruin a well-done $80 prime rib. It's That's the worst. If mm-hmm. you bought $80 or $100 or $120 prime rib, I think for like six bones is about $120 mm-hmm. and it comes out well done. You do not want to ruin that and you don't want to ruin your holiday. Have a meat thermometer on hand. It's really easy. Just stick it in and it reads the temperature for you. If you don't know what certain things are cooked, look it up online. You really, really don't want to dry out your food and you don't want to undercook your food either. The worst thing you want to do if you have family or friends over and you cut into like a turkey and it's still red inside, that's the worst, guys. Don't do that. It's the worst. You can't come back from that. And I just bought my brother a meat thermometer two years ago because he started hosting meals, family meals at his house. And I'm just like, you need a meat thermometer. I mean, you can be the most experienced cook out there, but the reality is you cannot tell what's going on inside a 17 pound turkey without a thermometer. You cannot tell what's going on inside a welly unless you have a thermometer. So Mm. I bought him one. And so everybody should have one. You're right. That's a good one, Nelson. You really can't eyeball things when it comes to cooking meat. It's just not. No. Good. No, it's not safe. You you can you can get sick, you can kill people. I mean, it's just not a great idea. And then Monica, for your last one, I'm a bit confused because you are recommending a musical instrument for oh your gosh. last kitchen appliance. So Stop can you it. tell us about it? I have no idea why you're recommending a guitar. I don't understand. <laughs> Guys, one of my favorite kitchen tools is a mandolin. And it's a mandolin 
with an E at the end. And what Nelson's talking about, the guitar thing is mandolin with no E. So a mandolin that I'm talking about is a very sharp slicer that has adjust adjustable width. Um, if you're talking about mandolin, that's a restaurant. <laughs> so it's all different. <laughs> okay. When I first started out cooking, I didn't have a lot of money, but I, ha I have to say like over the years, the investment in certain things has really paid off. So my advice with a mandolin is that you should buy the best that you can afford and treat it as an investment. So I've had my current mandolin for 10 years and I never plan on replacing it. Um, I always clean it right after I'm done using it. And it's all about care. I've used it for simple things like everyday things like slicing apples for lunch because my son is bougie like that. Um, but I've also used it for <laughs> stop it, Nelson. I've also used it for bulk production, like slicing potatoes for gratins or just for frying. So if you've ever making a dish like ratatouille, then you'll quickly understand why this is such a time saver. The mandolin is really a one job kind of tool, but it's the best tool for doing it. I think it's probably great for onions, right, Monica? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm it crying all is. the time when I'm cutting onions. It's the worst. <laughs> it's it's like me watching the Titanic. It's the <laughs> worst, Monica. So I'm, I'm guessing the mandolin is <laughs> not just a great musical instrument, but it's also a great <laughs> slicer as well. It's a multi-purpose instrument, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what's your last recommendation, Nelson? You're killing me right now. <laughs> uh, this is really simple. You have to have a good cutting board, Monica. I chop mm. so many things. A nice wooden cutting board is a must for me and I need something that's fairly good size because mm -hmm. I use it to cut a lot of vegetables with it. Wagon wood, we learned about them last year at the Whole Foods Showcase. Mm -hmm. They make beautiful cutting boards and you can order them online or you can find them at local farmer's markets like the Ballard Farmer's Market and other places. You can also look online too as well. That's a really, really great local company that makes awesome wooden cutting boards. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, Nelson. And and also in your kitchen, guys, you should have a minimum of two cutting boards, one that's used for meats um, and the ones that used for produce. Like you shouldn't be as much as possible, like cross-contaminating. So for food safety, you should really have multiple cutting boards for cutting different things and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Monica, I think we gave seven good instruments that you can use in the kitchen if you don't one have of them already. Musical. Yeah, one of them musical. Yeah, one of them very musical. <laughs> You can what? Get them on online, Macy's.com, Amazon.com, kitchen stores. Do some online shopping. I have a mm -hmm. feeling that a lot of people are going to do some a lot of online shopping when they're at home for the next couple of yeah. weeks. Can I just say that my work from home thing, I have bought so much stuff online and I don't even know why. I'll be like sitting there. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah, I guess I could use a new jacket. I mean, you know, it's going to be spring. Of course I need like a heavy winter coat. Why not? <laughs> I've been buying the most ridiculous things. Guys, this has got to stop. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I am spending oh so much gosh. money right now. <laughs> what a rookie move. This I is... know. <laughs> I know. And Instagram and Facebook ads, forget it. They've got me on everything. I'm all, yeah, I could use a new this or a new that. What is this? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> The worst. I'm going to be so broke after all this. Mm. No. <sighs> all right, Monica, let's move on. We do have interviews and I quote plural interviews because we mm -hmm. have three interviews today. And why don't you tell us about them? Of course. 
Nelson, in February, you and I attended Star Chefs Rising Stars Awards to celebrate up-and-coming chefs and culinary professionals. The Rising Stars community includes more than 1,400 award winners across the country. So while we were there, we interviewed, get this, Rising Star bartender Sarah Grindstaff of Stampede Cocktail Club in Fremont, Rising Star pastry chef Crystal Chu of Canlis and Westlake, and Rising Star manager and co-owner Amber Maniguid and Chef Aaron Verzosa of Archipelago. Here are interviews with these rising stars. Guys, Nelson and I are here, and we're here for Star Chefs Rising Stars Awards, and it is an event that celebrates up-and-coming chefs and culinary professionals. And today, we're here with Sarah Grindstaff of Stampede Cocktail Club. Now, Sarah is an award-winning bartender, and you might recognize her from Navy Strength and from Canon. She is currently at Stampede Cocktail Club. Welcome to the show, Sarah. What's up, you guys? How you doing? <laughs> doing great. So this is all rather exciting and overwhelming, but tell us, how did you get to this point over at Stampede Cocktail Club, and what are some of the great things you're doing over there? Well, I got to Stampede Cocktail Club. Paul Chanrock, he's one of my best buddies, one of my best friends, truly. Um, he asked me to come help him run his new bar. I was at Cannon, very happy. I was not looking to leave, but I really believe in him and I believe in his vision. And I wanted to go be a part of something that I could really help build and create. What we've done over there, we're now a mentor bar. So like take our happy hour, for example. We have, I believe, around 30 happy hour cocktails that are just classics. And we just keep adding on and on so our bar backs and our younger bartenders can learn how to make the classics and work their way up. How I've made, you know, what I've done at Stampede immediately is I started out with systems. They didn't have anything set up. Everything was kind of like a free-for-all. Um, and we're really busy. We're like a roadhouse. And so I made like, you know, a cocktail that had like nine poles and turned it down into three poles. I took a two-minute cocktail and made it into a 20-second cocktail just so that we can have a little bit more fun and people wouldn't want to leave and stay and drink. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, and I think it's really working because the night that we came in there, uh, Frank and I came in there, it was wall-to-wall -wall people, standing room only. And what impressed me was the level of service, the quality of the cocktail, and the fact that when I left, even though it was a crazy night, I felt like I wanted to come back immediately. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> you're welcome, yeah. All right, so you said 30 cocktails at happy hour. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your special cocktails? Not the happy hour, just like our... our, Any, our anything at Stampede, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, our menus are so fun. I think right now we have 62 drinks on our menu. We have a legacy menu and then we come out with anywhere from seven to nine new menus. We like to change out our menu every six months. So we just actually just released a menu and this one's really fun. We didn't place any of the ingredients. So it's all pictures and a little description kind of what it is. And there's actually one cocktail on there. It's a really fun tiki cocktail. I can't give you the name or anything, but it's you actually have to crack the code. You have to decipher it and call out its name to get the cocktail. So we like to keep it things like group oriented so and it gets the conversation going, everyone starts talking to each yeah. other. So. That's really yeah. exciting. Um, what are some ingredients or things that you're excited about doing in the future? Like you said, you just had a new menu come up, but you know, we're always thinking about the future, about different seasons, about things that we yeah. like to do that haven't gotten around mm -hmm. to yet. You know, we've already been talking about our summer menu. Uh, we're gonna like super focus on salted fruit. Um, I want that to be a big one. 
gosh, a lot of clarified. We just bought a Spinzol. We just bought Spinzol, so we're, we're going to play with that a little bit. But mainly just we're going to focus on fruit, and that's kind of, we're a juicy bar. We like to make things that are crushable. We want you to stay, you know, so crushable drinks, really fun colors and flavors, so yeah. That's how like it's up my alley, Mark. Yeah, I know. Oh, you come in. Wait, right, it's a juicy bar? Like, it's like every hour's happy hour, you know what I mean? That's what we love. Yeah. Totally. So the vibe there, um, I didn't get a chance to go out of the patio, but that's definitely beautiful. You have mm -hmm. a really central location on Fremont. Looks like you get great foot traffic. Mm -hmm. And again, what are you hoping to, so those are some ingredients, but where are you hoping to go, like in terms of leading Stampede down that path? Like, what do you want to accomplish? You know, what I would like for us to accomplish, I know, you know, tonight is an award for myself and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so blessed to be with all these talented people, but I would like to see Stampede, you know, win some awards and some accolades. Yeah. And that's really what we're like pushing for. We're, we're, it's, we're not a business, we're a family, Aww. you know, and we, we spread that to the community as well, and we have each other's back. So that's for, that's what we're hoping. We're also looking at opening up another Whoa. super, I guess not hush hush, screw it. Um, <laughs> another business, but it won't be Stampede. Please say Eastside, please say in the Eastside. Eastside, Eastside? It's not no. Eastside. Yes! I got to the location yet, but it's gonna—it's not gonna be like Stampede. Stampede's gonna still be like the really great, like intricate cocktails, super fun. It's gonna be more kind of a restaurant, super great cocktails, but again, just boom, 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 fast and like really fun. So. Well, we're at Block Forty One right now for Star Chefs Rising Stars. What are you What are you making today? Uh, tonight we're making the Memory Blade. It's our number one cocktail. Paul Shanrock came up with this cocktail. Woo! I want to say like three years ago, it's got bourbon. Tonight we're using Buffalo Trace, Giffard Apricot. We have the New Deal Ginger Syrup. I have a citrus blend with honey and lavender bitters made from Scrappy's Bitters here in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Yum. Yeah. I also have a mock, uh, uh, an N.A. version of it as well. Oh. So. I'm a uh, mocktails. That's for me. Is that for you? Yeah. 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 Boost mine up. Give him the You got it. You can give her the extra alcohol. You can give me the extra. want a shot of Buffalo <laughs> Trace. Hey, man, this is oh, your party. Buffalo I'm just Trace, I'm too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah, cool. and have fun tonight. You deserve it. Thank yes. you. Congratulations. Cheers. Hey everybody, Nelson and I are still hanging out here at Star Chef Rising Star Awards and we are with Crystal Chu of Canlis. She's the pastry chef there. But hey guys, Crystal has traveled the world from her home in Texas to New York to Japan and back. She has an illustrious career and not just in pastry, I have to say. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Thank you, so happy to be on it. How did you come to Canlis and, and doing this work? I think in the food industry, everyone's just kind of connected through some web. So I had some friends in New York, Jeremiah and Fabian at Contra, who are really good friends with Brady Williams, the executive chef at Canlis. And when I was looking for a job, when I came back from my travels, they just connected me and found my way to Seattle. Awesome. So what kind of things are you making in Canlis now? The only place where I'll actually put on a sport coat to come and eat. <laughs> well, it's been really fun to learn about Canlis and its history in Seattle. Absolutely. I think that's a lot of what drives how I think about what dessert I'm gonna put on the menu. Canlis is a beloved restaurant and a lot of people love those classics like the souffle. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm ever gonna take that yeah. off the menu because you got people who will love a classic souffle. But I really love to incorporate what I've been learning from everywhere I've been traveling and the people that I've been meeting and trying to help our guests at Canlis 
experience something new mm -hmm. that they never thought they might taste. So that's really where my focus is, mm -hmm. kind of introducing something into the, the Seattle food scene that comes from where I'm coming from, from where I've traveled. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest struggles that people have with a restaurant that's been around for a very long time is you want to keep your regulars, but you also want new people to start coming in. And what's the balance in that, right? Yeah. So along the same vein, you're talking about some of the new ideas that you've been bringing in. What are some things that you've been really excited to put on the menu? I would have to say I love just playing around with the produce that you're getting here. I've barely been here for a year, so I'm still trying to figure out what the seasons bring in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. During the summer, obviously, those cherries are coming in and flooding the kitchen. and. <laughs> Like, there's only so much, like, jam you can make. So I was really trying to think what else you can do with produce like that that you really want to make shine. But in this case, there were so many cherries that were coming in, I had to do something else with it. So I actually wanted to use thyme as a way to develop flavor. So I lacto-fermented cherries, oh. Rainier cherries and Bing cherries. And then actually through that process, I found out Bing cherries kind of develop flavors of bananas, and Rainier cherries develop flavors of grapefruit, and that kind of associated something in my mind that you could pair with the dessert rather than just cherries. Mm -hmm. And with those cherries, I ended up making this mascarpone cherry tarragon dessert, actually using cake that I saw in Indonesia called tape, where they used fermented cassava to make a cake, and it was super tangy and super moist. And I thought that application was really similar to like sour cream in a cake where people want to use it to make like a chocolate cake really moist. So yeah, we just took those cherries, fermented them, blended it into a puree, added it to a cake and steamed it. And that kind of became a foundation of a dessert that I put on the menu wow. uh, in the summer. So amazing. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> when you came up to Seattle, was there something like, there's an ingredient I really, really want to work with, or there's I've never worked with before, like you while, while you're in Texas or where? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Apples uh -huh. were something that I was like, well, Washington State is known for their apples. I can't wait to use them. And there was the idea that I wanted, that I had been playing around in my head for a while, and it was with apple pectin. Okay. So apple pectin is this thing that can be extracted from apples that help to make jam, right? It's this thing you add to jam to help make a jelly. But I had always wanted to extract pectin and serve it as is. So I went, when I came to Washington and I knew there were all these orchards everywhere, I started talking to a lot of the farmers. I was like, give me the apples that you guys are thinning from your trees at the beginning of the season, because you're going to be throwing it away, but I want it. Because not a lot of people know that the quantity of pectin is way higher in that first crop of apples that come in. So they gave me I was flooded with apples, like teeny tiny, like sour apples that yeah. people don't think have any yeah. value to it. And then I extracted the pectin from all of that. Mm -hmm. And the apples in Washington state, the pectin turns out to be this like ruby garnet color, really beautiful. And it's really sour. And so I use that as a pre-dessert in our BRP pre-desserts that we'd have at the restaurant. And so I thought that was a really good way of showcasing what Washington state can produce. but having people see it in a different way. So unique. Yeah. Just yeah. absolutely unique. Yeah. That's really beautiful. What are you doing here tonight? What are you sharing with us? Well, the dessert that I'm doing, it's, I really wanted to feature the Balinese meringue. So the Balinese meringue is a new meringue technique 
I learned from Will Goldfarb out in Bali, Indonesia. And, you know, no one knows what it is, and I really want to put it on the map. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I'm, just, it I'm confused. <laughs> it's essentially a freshly whipped meringue that is raspberry flavored, and I'm pairing it with some hazelnut and chocolate. So it's going to be a nice, light, fluffy cloud of raspberry in your mouth. So, yeah, that's what I'm Wonderful. serving tonight. All right. Well, I think we got to get you back because yeah, oh. things are going to start. Crystal, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Congratulations thank again. You so much. Great award. Thank oh, you so much. Thanks. Hi, guys. We're still coming at you from Star Chefs and Rising Stars Awards. And today we are here with Aaron and Amber of Archipelago. And, guys, if you have not heard of Archipelago, then I don't know where you've been because it's Seattle and everybody's talking about it. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you for having thank us. You. So, you all are here obviously because you're being recognized for how great you are, oh. but for those of us and other people who haven't managed to get a reservation at your restaurant, why don't you take this opportunity to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So, our restaurant's an eight-seat restaurant in Hillman City, focusing on really the Northwest, but through the lens of Filipino flavors, and so all of the things that make things taste Filipino are from ingredients here in the Northwest, and uh, really highlights not just the food that I think our parents brought from the Philippines, both Amber and I are raised here in the Northwest, but trying to tell an authentic story to, to us, as well as highlighting the history of Filipinos here in the region. So, so our goal is to really focus on the Filipino-American aspect, just about how Filipinos, how they've shaped this region, and how that affects our food, how that has affected our history. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> um, aside from thinking about the food, which we recently saw on uh, No Passports Required Season 2, Episode 1, I think everybody in Seattle has seen it, uh, definitely there's there's those specific Northwest roots, but also one thing that we haven't really mentioned is, you know, dedication to community, Filipino-American community, and how important that is to both of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before we started Archipelago, we were very adamant about making sure we were able to help support, contribute, and build a community of support, both within the larger Filipino community, but really as well as the industry of Filipino food and beverage professionals. So one of the things that we did a lot of work in was developing ILAO, which is this coalition in the Northwest of food and beverage professionals that are part of that Philippine community. And that was a number of years before we even you know, started Archipelago. Uh, and that was really important and instrumental in us developing the nice support from our peers, but also cross-generationally as well with folks that have been doing it for a long time, like Auntie Lila down in Oriental Mart, and other folks that have been doing restaurants in Seattle for a long time, as well as organizations that are outside of the industry, like the Filipino-American National Historical Society, the Filipino Community of Seattle. So we, we definitely made sure we focused on that before opening our restaurant, which was really quite important for us. Some of our goals are, you know, as an individual restaurant, we can only do so much, but as a community, we can lift each other up together, we can make a bigger impact. There's, again, a lot of people haven't been to your restaurant because it is 8 seat, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us about some of the things that you're really excited about, some of the ingredients yeah. you're excited about or looking forward to in the future? Some of, some of the things, as Aaron and I, it's been shared that you know, we went to the UW together, we have a background in Philippine and Philippine-American history. And so, for me in particular, it's really exciting to get to share those stories and that awareness and really just showing how much Filipinos have shaped this region. And one of the dishes specifically we're actually serving tonight is our dish. It's called alasqueros, 
the Alasqueros represents uh, the migrant workers, the cannery workers, a lot of the community of really workers in the Northwest that have been here for a very long time. Uh, and the actual dish itself is typically a kinilao um, or a fish preparation that's typically cooked in vinegar, a local vinegar here. Right now we're using Alpine Fire in a Washington Verjou. And so that changes, but it enables us to really talk about the history of Alasqueros through a dish. And that's kind of the things that we're excited about. Our meal is uh, typically between 8 and 12 courses, depending on the season. Uh, and we do that not just to say, hey, we're doing a tasting menu. This is fine dining. We really do it so that we can focus dish by dish. We can focus on just pandesal. We can focus just on the producer. We can focus just on a story or a group of people that have represented the Northwest for a really long time. And our two things are really about the location uh, in terms of where, when, with where with the region, giving you a sense of that, uh, when with seasonality, and then the who in terms of the people that define the food. So we're really excited about those kind of things that are on the menu throughout the course of the season. Awesome. So for repeat customers or people who have never been there before, mm -hmm. are you happy with where things are? Are you thinking about expanding or doing other things in the future, in the near future? I don't know if you want to answer that first, but for, for, for me, certainly, and for, I think, the team, as we discussed, it's like there's so much uh, when we in the approach that I think we take in terms of uh, looking at the history and the stories that we can really showcase. You know, we're just barely over a year. For us, we want to just stay focused in what we're, we're doing and take it a day at a time, and but always, you know, have the opportunity to be open for, for things, but really yeah, dedicated we, to the South End. We are such a small team, like it's really just four of us, and so... As we've been growing our team, and you know, obviously I'm going to be leaving uh, Yeah, we are expecting, expecting one coming um, soon. It's another aspect for us to grow and to evolve. We are happy with where we're at, but we're excited with where we can take the same concept and develop it further. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you both for spending thank time you. with us today, and congratulations. Thank you and so much. Have a great time. Thank, thank you, you so much. And those are our interviews with just some of Seattle's spectacular rising stars. Nelson, that was a magical night filled with amazing talent. And what were some highlights for you? All the food and all the wine mm. and drink pairings. My goodness. The drink pairing from Crystal Chews and Canlis. Mm. Oh, I'm still thinking about that. I know. Was it a port wine or what was it? I, I don't know what it was. That was amazing. It was a dessert wine that wasn't fermented all the way. So it maintained a lot of sweetness that you wouldn't otherwise find in wine. My goodness, I can drink a whole case of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know, we should find out what that is. Yeah. Because, you know, work from home, you know, you, you never know when you're going to need that emergency bottle of wine. Knowing you as the rookie, you'll probably <laughs> need five cases because you'll probably go through a case a day. <laughs> I know, all I got is whiskey here. Dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So as of right now, Stampede Cocktail Club is open for business. Canlis is also open, but it's closed its regular operation in favor of a breakfast bagel shed in the morning, a burger drive through for lunch, and a family meal dinner delivery service. So take note of that. And that starts uh, today, as a matter of fact. There's no word on Archipelago from their Instagram or Facebook accounts, so keep an eye on those. And guys, uh, you know, support local businesses however you can during this difficult period. Yeah, I totally agree. Do what you can, guys. As I mentioned, purchase gift cards, order takeout and delivery, go and support them. I, I was just I just posted a story about trophy cupcakes with kids. I know you're going to run out of activities. They have a decorate your own cupcake kit that you can purchase. That's another that's a fun activity. Ooh, fun. I mean, yeah. Disney Plus will only hold you for so long, guys. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know right now. 
Having nieces, they're going to go crazy. My nieces are going to go crazy. I'm trying to figure out activities for them to do. So I'm thinking about purchasing a couple cupcakes and have them mess around with it for an hour or so. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun, Nelson. Really helpful yeah. for uh, for entertaining kids. I can only take Frozen 2 for at least maybe two times. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's going nuts. I'm driving, driving me nuts. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Monica. Well, I think that's our show for tonight. It's been a good one. Like I said, we're virus resistant, so uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep putting out shows for you all. I don't know what kind of things we're gonna talk about. Maybe uh, we're gonna be a little creative here, but hey, we'll still be on, and uh, you'll still have your weekly show. Absolutely, the show must go on. Thanks for listening, you guys. As always, Monica, are you moving furniture down there? I can hear I can hear like a bunch of stuff like moving all around. What's going just, on? What's going I'm on? Just- I'm multitasking. Sorry, Nelson. Thought the show was over. My bad. My bad. I'll be quiet now. All right, everyone. Stay safe out there. Please wash your hands. For the love of God, use hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Stop buying toilet paper. Just just buy buy hand sanitizer and soap. It's it's so much more effective. In the meantime, happy eating, Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at Seattle Foodie Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.